Hey everyone, today's guest is the amazing actress, comedian, and writer Andrea Savage, who you probably know from Veep, Step Brothers, Episodes, and her semi-autobiographical comedy series, I'm Sorry. Before we begin the episode, I want to read a couple of your letters. The first is from Alan to Elizabeth, who we called with Lizzie Kaplan. Alan writes, Hey, Anna... This is to Elizabeth regarding her partner with low sex drive. My wife has had a very low sex drive for most of our marriage. Based on my own experience and the shared stories of the people in our Facebook support group, I don't think it will get better. My wife and I have talked about this issue in the past, and while our sex life improved for a short while, it soon went back to how it was. You just can't make someone want something. They either want it or they don't and you need to decide if that's something you can live with. I know this seems defeatist, but you will only be disappointed if you are unrealistic in your expectations. It is difficult, if not impossible, to change someone, maybe even unfair to ask that of them. I wish the best for you, both Elizabeth, Alan. Alan, thank you so much, and thank you, Elizabeth. This next letter is from Miranda to Judy Greer about Judy's weird backyard discovery. (laughs) You can see a picture of it on the unqualified Instagram. Miranda writes, Hey Judy, I think your dirt man is a statue of St. Joseph. Sometimes people will bury a little figure of him when their house is for sale. Joe will work hard to sell your home and bless the sale. My mom is a realtor and actually recommends this to her clients. I don't think it's bad juju if you find him, and I think it was really nice that you kept the one you found for so long. Usually people retrieve them after selling their house. Thank you so much, Miranda. And we also received quite a few letters confirming the identity of St. Joseph. So thank you also to Kelly, Andre, Tanya, Chris, and Jen for helping solve the mystery. I love you guys. I do have to say that Judy St. Joseph is pretty spooky looking. (laughs) Definitely more doll that comes to life and kills people than real estate agent. But maybe he's both. I don't know. Somebody's got to write that script. I think I mentioned that you can see a photo of Dirtman on the Unqualified Instagram. Please check it out. Thank you so much, dear listeners. Please help the Unqualified community grow by sending us your questions, your answers, and your stories. Go to our website, unqualified.com. And now here she is, Andrea Savage. Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to Unqualified with your host, Anna Ferris. Do you hate it when people are like, if you tell them your age and, and then they feel the need to like <laughs> tell you how smoking hot you are? Well, I'd be a dickhead if I was like, yeah, I hate that. Um, because the alternative, what I've noticed more recently when people, I tell them my age and they're like, oh. And then I'm like, wait, no, no, no. You're supposed to be like, what? I don't believe that. And I'm like, where, well, where's that part? And they're like, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. And I'm yeah. like, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, that right, makes right. sense. Right. How dare you? No, there's no winning. I moved here in 99, which was at a time when actors, like our actors, any, yeah. anybody, whatever. I have a lot of feelings about that terminology. Term actor, actress. Yeah, but they're all kind of stupid. Right. Anyway. Like is the rejection of the term actress, if it's out of like, oh, that's sort of a flippant term or it feels like frivolous terminology for what we do. And Well, it's comedian and comedian. Right. People ask me that before and they're like, which do you prefer? I'm like, I don't give a fuck. Right. Yeah. I, I 
do comedy. I have issues, I think, with the gender, like just in general, well, the yeah. award shit, because it feels- I think it's all great. I think the award shows really, I think they're valid. I think they really do pick the best people. I think, and you know, you know that what? might hurt your feelings, but I just feel like they have their finger on it. You know what? I love it that you bring that perspective. You know what I mean? I think maybe I have the luxury of being cynical about- that terminology and the award shows and everything that goes with it because I haven't won anything. I feel like they finally <laughs> figured it out now. First year. There's no division between comedy and drama. Mm-mm. Like we've talked about, it's all about sincerity of character. <laughs> I mean, that, these are it things is. I believe. Oh, I was like, because I was like, well, I kind of actually believe that. Are you joking? Like everybody in the I think if the comedy com- has to come from sincerity and earnestness of character and if you're not coming from a very grounded very real place then it's just wild and jokey and different kind of comedy than the comedy I like it's just not believable yeah so when you started out did you I didn't actually start in comedy and then I kind of fell into it I was in the groundlings and then I did stand-up and did a lot of improv and my first couple shows I were on were mostly all improvised-ish shows and movies and so kind of fell into comedy. But I wasn't – didn't, like, grow up being like, oh, my God, I know every, like, Richard Pryor album and, like, that kind of thing. You have a degree in government from Cornell? Yeah, I was pre-law. Yeah, I was government major with a minor in law. Do you say I have a degree in government? A lot, yeah. I mean, I feel like I go around. It's well, how you I said intro- it before we started recording. Yeah, and I said it when I parked yeah. it, at the gate. I, have a I said it when government. I got through. Here's my ID, and I have a degree in government. In government. <laughs> um, I was very nervous getting here, Anna. I'm very nervous. But wait, tell me about the degree in government. What? what? Do you have an organized mind? I do. you have a mind for justice? Do you have a mind I, for I regulation? Okay. But keep in mind, it's an undergraduate degree. So, like, what does that even mean? You can study, like, fucking macrame. Macrame and then become a, you know, lawyer. You could do whatever. But yeah, I was very academic. I went to Cornell. I enjoyed studying. I like studying. But I also always did theater, like in the background. So are you an oldest child? Second oldest. Oh. I have four brothers. Whoa. But like halves So and of course holes. you needed order. You were like, <laughs> I I have to fight for I, I will justice. say I do have a thing for justice. Yeah. Although more, I mean, my older brother was horrible to me when I was a child. Now we're very close. And then I'm quite a bit older than the younger ones. So they were like my babies. And I wouldn't even say I'm super orderly. I just need to feel powerful. I just need to be I've, the most in control in the room. No, I so I like you. studying and I thought the law was interesting. And I had a lot of lawyers in my family and I think I just was like that seems like something I should do, but I didn't really understand like what that would be in actual practice. You know, you imagine it's you're going to be in a courtroom and it's going to be dramatic and it's going to be this Ladies whole, it's going to be gentlemen. like an acting job. You know what I mean, yeah. really? Do you see yourself as like a def- defense attorney or like a prosecuting attorney? I don't think a defense attorney. I don't think I thought it like to the point where I was like, I've got this down. I took some really interesting classes that was like women's studies in law that was really interesting. It must have been very hopeful. It was very, very hopeful. Yeah. You know, well, all that, all the women's stuff. <laughs> but I took like psychology in the law and I took like all these kind of cool classes, which were so interesting. But I'm sh- sure once you got past those undergraduate, like cool, interesting classes – 
pretty that's how dry. They rope, that's how they that's how they rope you in. Yeah, yeah, that's how they get you. They're like, oh yeah, this case, like, like yeah. this murder went to prison. Yeah. Meanwhile, and it's like you really would just like, be like, well, you didn't follow the, the cow uh, farmer contract that, that we sent you, <laughs> and I don't know if you noticed in line seven, <laughs> subject B six, you said that you weren't going to actually endorse this product. Yeah. So I didn't go that way. I, I went this, this other way. way. I came I'm the other way. So glad. It's weird though. And I've just sort of been thinking a lot about this lately. And I talk about it in my own like therapy and stuff like that of I feel like I have the Cornell side of my mind and then the like carny side of my mind, like the weirdo, you know, comedy performer who wants to like be crazy. And they're battling in my head my whole life. And I'm trying to m- get them to make out a little. So does that mean <laughs> that you view one's side of your brain as being like naughty and, and like potentially offensive or not naughty but irresponsible potentially or not like thinking through not logical it's not being like a smart person I think that in LA mm-hmm. I feel that the pressure to be sort of put together and in a way that makes me act childish oh that's interesting I was hoping that we could turn this into yeah. My therapy session. I would, by the way, <laughs> I am tech avail. You already said it was interesting. I already said it was interesting. I will. I You're love, in now. I love him. This is what I talk about with my friends. You know what I mean? And we get into it. But I do think about how there's a perfectionist, uh, you know, culture here in LA a little bit. Yeah. It's like you want to be fun, but you also have to be like, not that fun. Like, <laughs> right. Ew, come on. Like, yeah. Not irresponsibly fun. Yeah. But it's weird because in comedy, especially when I was coming up, I felt like I had this really rigid part of me. And even the decision to become an actor was so riddled with angst because I grew up in LA and being an actor seemed like the most irresponsible, illogical thing you would do because it was just like, well, that's a ridiculous thing. Nobody actually makes it. Like it just seemed impractical. Yeah. And being an actor or comedian or whatever, doing what you do, you have to take risks. You have to be kind of impractical and illogical because it doesn't make any sense what we're doing. Did your parents, were they like, great? It was a mix. Yeah. I mean, they were supportive, but I think they were sort of like, okay, she's a really good student. She'll do this for like a year. She'll have a little fun and then she'll go back to something practical. But they've been supportive and I think because... I found a way to sort of merge these two things in my mind because I run my own TV show. And so I write the show and I do post and I produce and then I'm on the show and that kind of stuff too. But it's like a lot of organization and practical and this and that mixed with the, I, you know, get to tell dick jokes. (laughs) I I love that because I can relate to it. The idea of like problem solving, not to your level, but I don't know. You create stuff in the fact that you even like created this podcast again, and I didn't tell you before, but you doing this inspired me to make my podcast. Thank you. Like truly, truly. Thanks. One thing that I was so struck by is I was like, there aren't people who are actual, and now I think there are more, definitely. But when you were doing it, you were one of the only women who were doing thank it. You. Oh my God. And thank you. it really, because I was like, well, who, what women are doing this? And I was like, only on a Ferris. And you were a working actor who was doing it and still having a successful career. Thanks. And that inspired me because I was worried about doing it and how much do you have to give of yourself. And I also was like, I want it to be just fun. And like, I didn't want it to be super deep or dark. I was like, is anyone doing how I imagine 
what I would like. And you were the one. And I was like, all right. Thank you. It came out of feeling a few things. I just wanted to talk to people. Yeah. That was a, a, a lonely stage in my life. Yeah. But because I struggle a lot with social media. So do I. It's like... Why? It's how much of yourself do you want to give? And how do we express that honestly mm -hmm. with mm -hmm. like Instagram or Twitter? Like how, yeah. how do we portray ourselves that doesn't seem like, well, oh yeah, we're here we are in like LA. I don't know. It, that doesn't seem privileged or give an impression of what we aren't. But you also don't want to give everything about yourself away. So you want to protect a little bit of yeah. yourself too. Yes, yes. But still connect honestly. It, it's a tricky thing to navigate. And, and I don't think people necessarily understand how tricky it is to navigate. And again, I'm not somebody who I, like goes around. I mean, I don't not compliment people, but I, I'm not someone who like walks in place and I'm like, this is why I love you. But I, I just wanted to tell you coming in, you navigated a, what I think is a very tricky thing to do incredibly well That's and incredibly so, thoughtfully so and incredibly intelligently. Thank you, know. you Andrea. That means a lot. Truly. Me. And you're saying it came from a lonely place. That's where I think like a lot of times like my show came from me going, what the fuck? I'm approaching 40 and all the roles coming to me are now these mom roles and I don't want to be harried and I don't want to be sexless and why can't I be funny still and why is all this being pulled away from me and I'm going to create a nuanced different character and I'm going to force it to happen. Tell me about your podcast experience. Do you enjoy doing it? I have had sort of a strange experience with it and I have enjoyed it and mine came from also sort of a lonely place because I'm currently about to start shooting season three, but it takes me like 14 months to do a season from when oh. I start writing to when I wrap post because sure. I do all the parts. And so for three, almost four years now, I am kind of in a bubble. I only basically work and see people at work and I see my daughter and my husband and that's it really. And I've lost touch with a lot of friends and I've lost touch with just hanging out and just fucking around. And I was like, I miss my friends. I miss just sitting in a room and not having to plan it all and the production that goes into producing a show and all this. I had this little break in between the seasons and I felt so lonely. And I was like, who are my friends still? I feel like all my connections have sort of floated away. And I also was like, I just want to do something that's an hour of fun because I feel like I'm gravitating towards watching shows and listening to things that are just fun and not dark and not mean and not all these other things. And I was like, I want to just have an hour of that where we just laugh and it's me laughing with my friends and playing games. And that's really where it kind of stemmed out of. Because of the timing of it all when I banked them all and then went right into writing season three. So I was trying to do it earlier in the summer. So it's been navigating, producing the podcast and getting that all going as I'm also show running a show. So it might put me in my grave, but I've been enjoying it. But it's been fucking hard. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. No. When you know we first started out, it felt like yeah, this is a fun hobby. People come over to my house. Yeah, like we have a little barbecue every now and again or whatever. But what's been amazing is our listeners, you know, yeah. because to me, it, it just feels like such an intimate space. Yeah. But I was stupid enough when uh, 
when I first started that it was like, yeah, just order microphones. and. If I knew what had actually gone into it, because I feel like I had a couple friends who also do podcasts and they were like, it's so easy. Just blah, 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 blah. blah." And I was like, okay, I'll just do this. And I kind of like, you know, sort of waddled through it and then got halfway through and was like, you all are fucking liars. And I emailed them. I was like, what the fuck? And they were like, well, yeah, now it is actually a hard work. I was like, oh, why would you have? But then you're too far in it. When you realize it, then you got to just keep going. But if you really thought through everything, you'd never do anything. Yeah, yeah. Okay. um, Studying abroad. Yes. You were in Seville. I was in Seville. 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 Sevilla, mm-hmm. Sevilla, mm-hmm. and that was during college. During college, it You're was. At Cornell. I was at Cornell, and but it was like, like listen, uh, I gotta get out of here. Yeah. I gotta see the world. I spoke Spanish. I could understand it well and read it really well. I could write it, but I could not speak it. It was just nervous to speak so it. You feel long so lame. Political, like philosophical mm-hmm. conversations, they never happen. Wait, can I tell you what I had to study when I was yes, in Spain? Please. While I was there, had to go to the University of Seville. And take classes at their university in Spanish, in law. Like, it was crazy. I had to take comparative politics of South America, I remember. And I was just like, what the fuck is happening? I'm literally like the only American in this class. And they're just, blah, 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 you know, going, 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 going. By the end, I was actually fluent in Spanish and could dream in Spanish and think in Spanish faster than English. But that was after like seven months. Comparative politics, politics of South America. Or I couldn't get enough credit to have like made it through the semester. I didn't have to get a good grade. I just had to pass it. But did you have a good time? I had the best time in Spain. Oh, it was great. Did I you mean, fall in love? No. It was so interesting. I sort of had that like, I'm going to go to Spain, meet some Spanish lover, you know? Men and women can't be friends, at least back then. You weren't friends in Spain. And you either lived at home or you lived with your spouse. So like there was no dating scene. And it was like very formal. And I couldn't get in there. I couldn't become friends with someone first, which is the way I feel like in the United States, you kind of meet someone, you're kind of friendly, you kind of realize you have like a thing. It was like you either are on a date separately. Right, right, right. There was no like you go to a party and you all hang out together. It was very formal and Southern Spain was a little more formal. Again, this was a thousand years ago and I'm sure now everyone's just like fucking all the time and I was there at the wrong decade. And I should go back and just get into it now. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I didn't. I did have one so little brief affair amazing. with a Jose Luis. Ooh. It was very brief. I met him in this small town. They were having this. They have like constant parties that go all night, like in the streets of every Spanish town. And so I met him and we exchanged, I think, like addresses because I didn't have access to a computer. And it was before there was like phones yeah and we like met up in another small spanish town for yeah but we didn't have sex or anything but we made out still they was not people who like had a lot of sex like it was interesting yeah but spain was amazing and i think studying abroad is amazing i've never been happier that i mean i had such a great time i've never been sadder and more lonely well that's and more like missed home but then got to the other side of it and you actually studied yeah i actually did to study but it wasn't like, I mean, compared to Cornell, like it was pretty easy. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. And not every program's like that. 
I would say if you can pull it off and your school offers it and you're able to like pull it off, fucking go somewhere. I went to Siena, Italy. Um, I sold my Honda Accord, went there. My husband uh, lived there for a little bit. Really? Yeah. What'd you think? Oh, I mean, I love Italy. Me too. Me too. I learned valuable skills that now are no longer relevant, like how to use a map. Oh, yeah, yeah. Or, Mm -hmm. you know, like mostly map things. Mostly map oriented stuff. Yeah. You know, it was like I had like a phone card, you know, that you bought at the tobacco. That you bought at the tobacco. And you'd have to go like get that Mm. special paper to write a letter. Yeah. My parents (laughs) were so happy when I called once a week. Yeah. Now they are like furious. If you only called once a week. Yeah. Yeah. I texted you. It's like I lived with a family that did not speak a word of English. Wow. And my mom would call once a week, Sunday at like 2 p.m. or something, whatever we agreed upon. And you, I had to be home, ready for it. Because if you missed it, you missed it. I know this, the look of this phone. Do you know what I mean? Oh, it was on the wall. It yep. was, yeah, yeah. It yeah, was totally thing. like cream colored. Cream colored. Like, mm-hmm. the, like this like rotary yep, with yep, the yep. curly cue thing. And it was literally like, I had to be there. And my mom would just be like, Andrea, please. And they were like, no, no, que pasa? Like, she was just like, I call every week, but why can't you understand just Andrea? But it really was like, you were far away. There was not like email and phones and it was you're right that's a beautiful way to put it it did feel far yeah because we didn't in good and bad ways yeah yeah so it was scary and lonely mm-hmm. and thrilling. Yeah. And then there were like those moments of like euphoria when Ugh. something like you've met like a group Ugh. of strangers Ugh. and suddenly you're like hanging out with them at somebody's house. Like the magical things that happen. And then there's yeah. like the cold, lonely walks uh-huh. back when the grocery store is weirdly closed <laughs> and you didn't understand why you can't get toilet paper yeah. on a Sunday. Yeah. Or, you know, a dentist. A de- that oh, feels, that feels I like feel like five I just gave up away. all <laughs> dentist and doctor. Or tree. <laughs> but yeah, and I feel really fortunate though that I was able to do that. I really truly learned in class nothing. Yeah. Like, I don't think I did either. <laughs> I don't know. It feels like you learned about conflicting countries in, in South America. Well, no, Is I took Bolivia? the class, learned. <laughs> I think I just got enough to be able to pass it. I couldn't tell you the a drop of it. Andrea? Yes. So you're married. I am married, yeah. Okay. Let's see if you can answer these super efficiently. Know that I am married, but very good at imagining not being married. Okay, great. Because we're going to get into that. Too much so for my husband's liking. How was your wedding on a scale of 1 to 10? My wedding? Yeah. It was a 10. Awesome. Yeah, my wedding was fantastic. I don't know if everyone can say that. It was great. And by the way, weird things happened. But like, it was super fun. My mom walked me down the aisle with her handbag. I love that. Uh, for no reason. She, well, I'm maybe like, she needed tissue. She didn't. Or and I, Because I asked her. I go, Mom, why are you holding your handbag? And it wasn't like a matching handbag necessarily to the outfit. I think she needed her tissues. She didn't. I can promise you. <laughs> my mom is not a crier. Like, she never got anything out of the handbag during any of it. Well, Just so you know. I don't know. Maybe she's crying in secret. Okay, wait. So <laughs> okay. what, what else happened? We had um, a guitarist on the beach in Mexico who we realized could not sing. Not good. And didn't really speak English, but was trying to sing American songs, whatever. Like We'd what? been given a like, list of songs. Oh, she was an American girl. Like Stuff what? like that. What like a Tom- Beatles. Oh. You know, like it was acoustic on the beach, you know, everyone coming in. My husband heard him singing and was like, oh, no, 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 no. And like walked over and was like, just, hey, can maybe just the guitar kind of a thing. And apparently, I didn't hear this part, but when I was walking on this like dramatic cliff and like coming down these stairs, the guitarist started singing girl, you'll be a woman soon in broken English. And my husband 
missed me coming down completely because he was just like, what? what's happening? It was like, dad, dad, can you tell him? So the man was just like, girl, you'll be a woman soon. I am imagining the sun setting. It was looking stunning. gorgeous. It was a beautiful moment that my husband never got to see. <laughs> so, so anyway, but our wedding was fantastic, even with stupid, weird things, you know. Yeah. Okay. Do you feel like telling us about your first heartbreak? Uh, it can be like third grade. It can be high school. It can be Spain. It can be anywhere. I would say like my first like heartbreak heartbreak came kind of late, like after like quite a few loves. Oh, interesting. And I sort of navigated my way out of relationships first to avoid, I think, really? eventually getting my heart like, hurt. What do, you, what do you mean? I feel like I was very good at like my first love, I was 15 and he was 17 and then turned 18. We were together for a year, which is a long time at that age. Yeah, He went away to college and this and that. And, and I, I don't know. I, I think it was a protective measure. I just always was like, well, obviously this won't last. So as soon as it gets a little like I'm not into it, then I'm done. Like I was very like a little one foot out the door, even with my like, oh, great loves. Why do you think loves. you got that way? I think my parents, like my parents split when I was very young. Yeah, I think it, you're like kind of a protective yeah, yeah, yeah. thing of just going, I'm going to get out before that person hurts me. Right. As long as I don't love them so much that if they left, I would fall apart. Right. Then I'm okay. Then I'm safe. And so I think I kind of lived in that zone for a while. And then maybe I was like 24 and I fell in love with someone who lived across the country, but not like in a city that I could possibly ever move to, like a small city. How did you meet this person? It was actually at my college reunion. And he wasn't in my class, but we met for this like crazy weekend in Ithaca, New York. And we like literally like fell in love overnight. And like we both switched our tickets, like one of these things. And then we kept this relationship. We'd fly back and forth. And he lived in upstate New York in like a, a smaller town. And then eventually it was just neither one of us can move ever. And it was the first time that I'd sort of given all of it. And it just, I was just laid flat, devastated. Oh. Yeah. And it was just, there's nothing to do. We talked to a lot of callers. We know a lot of our conversations are about heartbreak. Yeah. My argument is that I think that heartbreak is an important. I can tell you for sure, as somebody who avoided it for so long, I didn't start becoming like a real person, be able to really engage in relationships until heartbreak. Right. It's the same as, I think, career. Like you kind of have to have that big heartbreak and pull yourself up from it to like really understand then when you get your next positive thing, how important it was. Because before your first like heartbreak, you kind of take it all for granted. Do you think that heartbreak feels very differently at different stages in your life? Like there's my third grade heartbreak and well, then yeah. there's like my... Then there's like your 16 year old, right. like, oh, I didn't get asked to prom, which it feels like a you know, by the guy that I want or right. I asked someone, they said no or whatever it is. No, there's that heartbreak. Yeah, there's so many. I don't know why. I was recently thinking about that in regards to my period. I know this sounds like such a strange transition. No, um, I love punctuation. <laughs> just the idea of all the different ways your period. I think because I'm in a place, my daughter's 10 and I'm starting, you know, we're we're not just starting, but talking about these kinds of things. When you first hear about a period, it's the craziest thing you've ever heard in oh your my life. God. You're like, and this happens once, 
That was that's the, one time that this no blood God. is gonna. That what is happening? And so it's crazy. And then you get it, and either you get it early and it's terrifying, or everyone else is getting it, and you're like, when is this coming? So it's like this whole kind of thing. Then you go through your period of years where if you don't get it, you're fucking shit in your pants. You're like, what the fuck? Oh my god. You're terrified of not getting your period. Completely. Then you try to get pregnant and Mm -hmm. your period comes Uh and you're like, oh, fuck. (laughs) Didn't work that much. You know what I mean? Yeah. So then it like takes on a whole new thing. Uh And then you have your child and then your period doesn't come back for a while. And then you're like, finally comes back. You're like, well, 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 look at us. We're back to being a lady. You know what I mean? Young again. And then, and I haven't hit this part of my life yet, but then I imagine with like menopause, when it starts to go away, you're like, oh my God, all I want. And I just think it's such a strange journey for this like one like biological function to take on so much. You're so right. I feel like it, then it, like somewhere like in your 20s, you realize that it looms larger with the men in your life than it does with you. Kind of. Like they're weirder about it? Well, yeah. Or that it becomes like, oh, well, maybe she's on. Oh, like, like maybe yeah. It's, where it's like, well. I didn't even think uh, about that part. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like, like there, then there's like a little bit of like, I didn't actually think it was that big of a deal right now. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, because I've been living with it for, you know, a decade at mm-hmm. least. And well, it's kind of the work. first time a lot of those men are living with it. I guess so, but I also And also like, they like to be like, right, are you like, on your period? Right, there's a bit of a, like an excuse factor that mm-hmm. feels baffling or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Okay, wait. Yes. How did you meet your husband? Do you mind me asking? I'm offended that you've asked such an uh, you do offensive seem question. I'm sorry. Um, I invite you to. How my- fucking dare you? <laughs> my husband and I met when we were in high school. And I was 15 and he was 16. Wait, he's not the first boyfriend. No. No, we didn't date. We just knew each other. Oh. He went on a oh. uh, trip to Israel with friends of mine and he was a year ahead and came back and I went to like a party like after the end of their summer where they all were like getting together after they'd been to Israel. And I grew up here in LA and there's a school called Harvard Westlake and I went to Westlake and he went to Harvard. And so he went to the boys school and I went to the girls school, but we just knew each other and we became friends and we had a mutual friend in common. He was at my sweet 16 party. Like before I could drive, we like did things 
together, but uh, we never dated. I had a boyfriend and I don't know. I just was like, he's cute, but not for me. And then we stayed in touch for a while, lost touch for a million years, and then reconnected weirdly like 30, I think. And it sounds so lame because he's a really nice person and not this way at all, but he's a talent agent, but like a kind, like great person. And um there had been a show that I'd done and he had seen some article about it in a trade and was like, oh my God, I didn't know she was acting and blah, blah, blah. And reached out to me and we were like, I was like, oh my God, this is crazy. We should get together. And then we didn't. And then he had a dinner party and I had just ended a relationship and was in like a little bit of a wild phase, as I'd like to put it. But I didn't bring anyone with me because I was like, eh, I'm going to get my eyes on this Jeremy character after all these years. And then we kind of just became friends like for a little bit. And then we were at a party together on 4th of July. And I literally just remember I was talking to someone and I didn't really know a lot of people at this party. It was people he knew. And he was in a bathing suit, this red bathing suit. And I was like, you know, talking. And suddenly I like looked across the party and saw him like in this red bathing suit, like jump into the water. I was worried you were going to say like a dive or a jump into the water. Yeah, the red he jumps in the water, but not like in a flashy way. He just got in the pool in some yeah, capacity. Just like in a modest way. It wasn't a Hollywood party. Not at all. And suddenly I was like, wait, what about Jeremy? Like, why have I not thought of him like this before? And then our whole everything just shifted. Were you the aggressor? It kind of was like we both were dating other people casually. And there was like a flirty vibe. And I kind of knew like. like, nice dive, Jeremy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Nice dive. I really like those swim moves. Yeah. We kind of uh, went back, sorted through our stuff, freed our plates, and then went out on a proper date. I love that. Okay, three quick deal breakers. All right. Okay, he Mm -hmm. quit his job Mm -hmm. as an investment maker to become an energy healer. No. No. No? No, no, no. I have no problem that he quit the investment banker job, but I'm going to have a problem getting on board with an energy healer. A real problem. Okay, I like this, but why? First of all, if you want to be an energy healer, just do it on the side. I don't necessarily know what an energy healer is, why he needs to be healing other energies, and I'm not sure I believe in it, I'll be honest. I like that. That feels very reasonable. (laughs) Yeah. Yes, and I don't want anybody healing my energy, especially if that has to be a separate profession that you seek out. But also, what is energy healing? Like, I just feel like all of that is very vague. And what are you going to people's homes and like touching their bodies and like pulling energy for out from under the thing? And or is it like more mental? Like, what are you doing? Yeah. And also, it's fake. Like, go if you don't want to be an investment maker, fine. But go do something else that's not crazy. What if he's a like nonprofit energy healer? Well, <laughs> so he's just energy healing. And not making money? Yeah. Again, doesn't need to be an investment banker. Again, can work for a nonprofit. I have no problem with that. But a nonprofit energy healer? That's a deal breaker. I'm out. Okay. His best friend Uh is a single, attractive Uh woman. Uh They kissed once. How long ago? Uh, Three and a half years ago. Okay. He tells you about it. Uh He also says that it was like kissing his sister. Uh Um... I don't know if it would be like deal breaker out of the window, but it would definitely, I'd I'd raise some flags because I don't believe most men stick around in a long-term friendship with a lady unless they kind of want to fuck her a little bit, especially at a certain age. You know what I mean? And it sounds very lame. And I know, and I have male friends. I have lots of male friends, but I think 
a lot of them, especially up until now, they're married or whatever. But up until then, I feel like if the opportunity arose at some point and I suddenly like put my defenses down, they'd be like, all right. Uh, yeah. But it wouldn't be enough for me to be like, I'm out. I'm fucking out of here. But I would definitely be like, all right. And I'd watch the vibe and I'd need to know more about her and if she was ever into it. You know what I mean? I, I I'd have would, more questions. But the problem for me, it would bother me that it was taking up space in my brain. Mm-hmm. That would really bother me. And mm-hmm. then admitting of like any kind of insecurity or jealousy yeah. would bother me as well. Right. So for me, that would be – Yeah, for me, I think I would be kind of like, okay – I mean, I feel like I'd be a hypocrite if I was like, I haven't kissed some of my friends back in the day. But it would also be like, how old are you now? Are you like 42 or are you like 36 or are you 28? You know what I mean? Yes, that's a great way to put it. Because it's like if you're 28 and two and a half years ago, you guys got drunk and like kissed at a party and now you're both like, there's a lot of nuance to it. Yeah. But I do think that at some point when you're getting serious with somebody, like there are those friendship lines Mm -hmm. that should be kind of respected to some degree like Mm -hmm. on both ends 100 right like yeah no and there's friendships that you know are not all based on the up and up yeah you know and you got to make sure that those are not still in the mix yeah on your side and their side but that shouldn't be on the man or woman that's sort of it's coming into this right yeah. it shouldn't be on Both somebody sides to, need to take care because it feels terrible to interrogate no it's terrible to like be like so wait what's going on like what did you guys ever hook up like that's an awful feeling awful. to have to be inquisitive yeah. about that kind of stuff okay he has a large dvd collection half of it is porn says it was for educational purposes this is a man in his 80s i assume if he has a dvd collection of porn which then i have other problems with I don't, I think porn is, again, this is a nuanced weird thing because it depends on what the porn is. I totally think if someone wants to watch some porn and I know lots of people and long-term relationships where they bring porn into their world and it spices things up and you watch it together and it's a this and that, it depends on what the porn is. Like if it's like really like specific and dangerous Do you know what I mean? Or abusive or like, I don't know. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to do rapid fire. I can't promise I'm great at this. Don't worry. You know where it is with me with rapid fire? I, when people are like, what's your favorite or what's your this? I panic. Oh, totally. Because I'm like, well, I can't. It feels like I'm putting myself in a box and then I can never get out. Totally. So we'll see. I may, I may fall apart. Okay. Well, this is unqualified version. Great. So you are not beholden to any of these answers. Great. What was your favorite children's book? What's the poem, the Shel Silverstein, Where the Sidewalk Ends? What was your favorite toy as a child? I had, oh God, I had this weird, I don't know why this just popped in my head. I had a weird McDonald's like figure. It was like a McDonald's restaurant and it had like characters and oh, figures. Fun. It was like a McDonald's you got, house. You got to have your organization, like <laughs> that was part of like your sense of control. I guess, but also the creative of like coming up and ordering and doing weird things sure. and crashing through and yeah. Totally. But I had like a McDonald's playhouse or something. You were driven. I so feel that. Uh, okay. What did you want to be growing up? A lawyer. What was your first boss like? Uh, my dad. So, you know, a little uh. grouchy, but <laughs> fine. <laughs> what is your greatest fear? Uh, my greatest fear is not experiencing everything that there is out there. Not everything, but enough in my life. That makes complete sense. That's a beautiful answer. Thank so, you. Yeah, it is. <laughs> It is, though. But that is the thing. I do have yeah. a fear of, you know, not putting myself out there yeah. enough or trying enough and risking enough. 
Okay, so to whom would you most like to apologize to and why? I don't think I have anyone in my head. Oh, the other day I was turning right on Laurel Canyon off Mulholland and the person in front of me was not turning right even though there was more than enough space and I laid on my horn in an aggressive way. And then once the light turned and he finally turned around the corner, I looked at him and gave him the hands up like, are you out of your fucking mind? What the fuck? thing was at that intersection not long after within the next day and realized that there was a no turn on red, a very large no turn on red sign, and that I was an asshole. So I would like to apologize to the man that I honked at and then aggressively gestured to who was just following the rules. That is noble. That is noble. I hope he's listening because I felt terrible. Do you have a trait that you don't care for about yourself. Oh, yeah. I'm a little messy. Like, I wish I just like when I took my clothes off or took my shoes off, I put them away because I'm very just, I'll just throw it around. Mm -hmm. And then I'll eventually be like, oh, I guess I'll pick all this up. I don't know. I wish order actually, I know we joke about like order. I'm actually not like a super orderly, like organized person in a lot of ways. I use cleaning up as a form of procrastination. Like, like I, it's like, oh, well, I can't do that because I have to clean up my clothes. I wish I had a touch. I always say I wish I had a touch of OCD about it. Like people are like, I can't go to bed until the kitchen's cleaned up. And I'm like, oh, that's not me. God, no. No. For me, it's like, I don't know if I can work on that thing because I look at the clothes I threw around. Yeah. And then I don't really pick them up. I just (laughs) Just move them, kick them. Spritz some couple of house plants. (laughs) At least you're watering. That's another thing. I wish I could keep house plants alive. What's a trait you dislike in others? I very much dislike people just being rude. I don't understand, especially in a work setting or people who go into a restaurant and are rude to waiters. I don't like people being rude to anybody, but especially if you're rude to somebody who is less able to speak up for themselves back for whatever the situation is, like somebody who's rude to a PA on set, like nothing makes me crazier than something like that. It literally is just, you're done. You're not staying. And as you are producing and starring in your own show, do you feel like people are protecting you sometimes from Mm -hmm. behavior that you might not? Oh, yes, definitely. But I am so hands-on and we don't have like a huge crew where it's like I can be protected because we don't have the budget for that. So I'm in the trenches. I see it. There's never been a situation where I was like, oh, no, I haven't seen that. You know what I mean? I'm in it enough where you couldn't protect me from seeing what's really going on. You're on my show. I love everybody so much. But sometimes I do wonder like, am I – I know how protected I am. Yeah. Which I'm grateful for, but I also, I, but you know, I want to make sure that everyone feels a degree of protection for sure. And how do I help? But I don't know. It's like if you're at a restaurant and someone speaks to the waiter that you're with in like a rude, aggressive way, I can't keep my mouth shut. I literally there and you dump your sprite on their head or whatever. I just, even if it's someone that I'm with and I don't necessarily know the well, I can't keep my mouth shut when someone does something like that. Yeah, yeah. That is one thing where I am like, mm, I can't sit here. I want to test this sometime. All right. I can't wait. <laughs> I know. You had, you had like fire. <laughs> you had fire. Yeah. Um, okay. What's the closest you've come to death? I know. What a crazy oh, question. Jesus Do you have to, I know, I know. I thought it was going to be like, I know. What's your what's favorite, favorite ice cream? Ice cream. Oh, <laughs> bubblegum or mints? I don't know. What's the closest I've been to death? I feel like there's been a couple. 
Like, well, there's been a couple instances where I've gotten myself into situations where I easily could have been like murdered and no one would have ever known where I was or who I was with. Yes, me too. Uh, Especially when traveling. Trusted people where suddenly I was isolated and alone and in a place that nobody knew where I was. And like, oh my God, like one time barricaded a door and literally slept with my Swiss army knife like out and wrote in my journal, this is what happened This is where I am if anyone ever finds this in the morning if I'm dead. Where were you? I was in Spain. It's a long story, but basically I had taken a flight somewhere and landed at three in the morning. We were super delayed and they had said that they were going to give everyone like a voucher for a hotel. And then we got there and they were like, no, we're not. And I was, you know, 20 and like arguing in Spanish. And this guy next to me was like, hey, if you need somewhere to stay – happy to you know I'm staying with my brother-in-law what like the stupidest thing in the whole fucking world and I got in a cab and then realized I'm now in a cab with probably someone who's gonna murder me no one knows where I am in the world it was before there was email there's no like like all of it and it turned into this crazy night nothing happened but I literally like barricaded myself but you do get through some scary moments you hope you hope yeah you get to yep. the other side. Yeah, yeah. And then you're like, fuck, I can handle myself. Yeah. yeah. yeah but it does take those moments of, like, I think, jarring fear <sighs> oh, to Christ. be like, yeah, maybe I should have played that a little, I don't know, who knows. Well, literally, suddenly None you're just going, he could be Ted Bundy. Like, And then you're just trying to be like, every little thing. You're like, well, he said that. Is that okay? Well, that seemed weird. Oh, God. Well, wait, 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 wait. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Okay, so we're about to call people. Hello? Hi, is this Celine? Hi, oh my God. Hi, it's Anna, and I'm here with Andrea Savage, who's amazing. Hi. Will you tell us what's going on? Um, so a few weeks ago, um, my best friend from childhood and everything um, called me to let me know that she broke up with, quote, her husband um, and asked me to sort of check in on him to be supportive to both of them. And it was very much out of the blue. They've been married for about three years, and I'd never really heard anything about Uh, any challenges in their relationship so far. The reasons that she was sort of discussing seemed pretty strange. It was about his sort of habits, his eating habits, their differences, and a lot of stuff like that. She also started sort of describing what she would want out of a partner, and it sounded 
suspiciously like a friend of hers, basically her rock climbing buddy. Um, I pressed her on that to see if that was really what it was about. And she did sort of admit that her feelings for her friend, her rock climbing buddy, were a factor. And then she quickly said, should I tell my friend how it, that my feelings for him and should I explain all of that to him? And I was like, no, you should probably figure out your marriage first. But the next week, she ended up getting an Airbnb with her buddy and has since sort of started a relationship with uh, him. So I also want to add that her husband and her, they're both amazing people. Her husband couldn't be nicer, couldn't be more loving and giving. And it's just, he checks all of the boxes. And so it all seemed really strange. So she has since started a relationship with this other guy. And I encouraged couples therapy, which they did start. I've been spending time with both of them and sort of being in the middle of all of it. I'm trying to get her to be honest about it, about everything that's happened. But so far, she really hasn't been honest with him or with the therapist. She sort of thought that it would set him back in his healing with everything ending. But I really think it would give him more clarity in in all of this. And I've been encouraging her to be fully honest, especially in therapy. But so far, she hasn't been. I really want what's best for both of them. I want to be supportive to both of them. But So I guess my questions are, is it possible to be a friend to both of them in this situation? And yeah, how do I get her to be honest? Well, okay, so I think that it's so kind of you to be so supportive and and loving towards both of these people. I do think that there's stuff that you can't fix, you know what I mean? Yeah. Even if your intentions are amazing, which they are, you can't bring them, you know, back together. And there's probably stuff that you don't necessarily know about. I'm sure that your friend's husband is grieving a little bit and maybe he's leaning on you. Is that correct? Yeah, both of them really. And so, of course, you're being put in the middle, which is a position that, well, I know that it feels good to feel needed, but the problem is, is that it's just not something that the one can solve. Like there isn't a way when he's crying and whatever that you can assure him that she's going to come back. Like I understand wanting to be the fixer in this and the uniter in this situation, but that's an impossibility. Yeah. I mean, who knows exactly what's been going on in, in their relationship. And while the husband may be suddenly uncharacteristically vulnerable, maybe to you and needing you and sort of like, how do I get my life back on track? How do I get my wife back or whatever? But I think the only thing that you can do is be a good listener, which kind of sucks because I understand completely the inclination to want to solve and fix. I think the other hard thing is because there's obviously this other person that your friend has gone to that she has had a friendship with that's now turned into more of a romantic relationship. That may actually be be her being honest. I know you're saying you just want her to be honest. It's possible that we don't know how long she hasn't been totally happy in her relationship. And being honest about that to you or to her husband might be too painful because what is she supposed to say other than sort of like, I no longer wanted to have sex with my husband and decided I wanted to have sex with someone else, which is a painful thing to be honest about. And it might be as simple as that. Yeah. And do they have kids? No, they've been married for three years. They're about 30 years old. No kids. I think something that we don't always talk about too, is the idea of like, when someone's going through a breakup, there's this backlash. Like I know I have done it 
a lot where I like revert to being a child. Mm-hmm. So it's like, this is not my fault. You don't understand me. Like, mm-hmm. I, like I know what I need to do. Mm-hmm. And you, you live in a very, in, in like this selfish bubble, which is amazing for a while. Yeah. And then people are like, uh, we're not your friend anymore. <laughs> Um, and then you're like, wait, 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 what'd I do? What'd I do? But your friend may be experiencing some of that. Mm-hmm. That sounds so accurate, like <laughs> unbelievably accurate, because when this all started happening, it felt like we were back in high school and it was mirroring mm-hmm. conversations we had about, you know, casual things that were funny at the time. And But then I, I was talking to my older sister about it and she was like, she sounds like she's still in high school. Like, what is going on? Like, she's not in high school anymore. Yeah. She's totally regressing. And that's... So that totally hits the nail on the head. And she might be making a huge mistake in her life, like truly, but we don't know. And it may look like she's making a huge mistake to you, but like there's no way to put a judgment on it. So it could be that it doesn't look the pretty way everyone wanted it to end, but because there's this other person involved in this and that, it may be that they were destined to end regardless of... And if she's giddy with a, like yeah. a little bit of like newfound freedom mm-hmm. and a little and like lust or whatever, mm-hmm. there's nothing you can do to sort of yeah, but shake someone out of that. Yeah, but I just feel like that's the pattern that I've had. Mm-hmm. So may, maybe cut her a, a little slack with that. Yeah, I guess sort of another thought though would be like how heavily is mm-hmm. her ex leaning on you, and is that a burden to you? Yeah. So. We've all moved from where we originally lived. So actually, I'm kind of a home base for both of them, Uh, which is a little tricky. Oh, yes, of course, of course. So what makes this so difficult is that he is honestly like one of the nicest people in the world. And Mm -hmm. he's like, I want you to be her friend. He, One of the first things he said to me was, I want you to be her friend first. And I know this is, you know, difficult. Like he is just doing all of the right things and saying all of the right things. And he's not being possessive or you know, anything like that. He's just being supportive of somehow me and her and all of this. And that just makes it harder because he's so great. Does he kind of have feelings for you? Oh God, no, no. I am in a happy relationship and we did like couples dates and everything and there's nothing there. My boyfriend is is very upset about the whole thing too. And so, but nothing like that. I know it sounds like that. He's just a really nice guy like that. I think Celine, you might be like sort of, this is your first big friendship throws everything out of whack and he's such a nice guy and that makes it harder but know that these are unfortunately things that do start happening and not that this matters but do you know was she having an affair while they were together so I had to push her to be honest about the feelings I know her so well that Mm -hmm. it felt that way um she supposedly hadn't started the affair until four days after she quote broke up with him Mm -hmm. um Yeah, I have some questions about that. But I guess what I was going to say is, and now after seeing quite a few friends, I'll be honest, both sides of that thing of where Mm -hmm. they stepped out or were stepped out on. And I've always said, listen, and again, it it sounds like maybe the timing's a little big, but it didn't sound like she was having an affair necessarily Mm -hmm. physical, but it sounds like it was a mental affair to a point. But people are going to start having, it sucks, but it starts happening. My whole thing that I just always said to my friends friends who did it and friends who didn't is just do the right thing. And if you don't think something's right, or if you want to cheat that badly, just get out before you actually cheat. Other than that, that's sort of the only thing that I've held my friends accountable to because it starts becoming more shades of gray, unfortunately. Yeah. But and also, though, I think the big thing is that this kind of storyline will be happening 
yeah. a, a lot. But what you can do, though, Celine, is be a good yeah. friend. Attempt to, if you can, like to not pass too much judgment to either party yeah. and be supportive. And you, you know exactly what to do. You sound like yeah. you're an you, amazing yeah, it friend. It sounds like you're an incredible I, friend. Yeah. But I'm sorry, though, that I'm sorry that this is something that, you know, is troubling you because I know that you feel like your friends are upset or behaving badly in like giddy with behaving badly. And that's also that can Mm -hmm. be disturbing, too. But there are just the unknown unknowns. You know, people are going to try to recruit you to their side and tell you their defense or whatever it is. And it's like, yeah, is it even possible really to stay friends? It may take some adjustment. I think it can be there for both of them. But I will be honest, I think for both of them, you have to take a step back yeah. because you're attached to both of them. You actually have to be a little less supportive of them both and let them work it out a little bit and figure out their new reality and their new present. I don't think you can stay as close to the situation and really support them both because it's impossible to not pass some judgment. You're sitting there going, he's this wonderful guy and she fucked him over and he doesn't deserve it. And now she's acting childish. And, you know, and time will reveal it. Time will reveal it. You know, like like, right now, I think definitely believe in the idea that you can be friends with both of them. But eventually, as like the situation sort of sifts itself out, you'll you'll see like sort of which friend is uh, around it might be both it might be neither but also i think work with your partner too and see like how you can just be there how you can just be a good friend i would be a little bit wary about hearing too much from the husband's perspective because he may be presenting himself as a little bit more of a victim to play on your it probably subconsciously people do this but to play on your sense of sympathy if you go back to your best friend and you're like oh he's really bummed he's really sad like he's cries all the time about you like just be wary of that because that's information that won't serve you well and your friendships well yeah that makes sense you can hear it and absorb it but just take a beat before you pass anything along yeah to either party member, you know? Yeah, that's one of the things I tried to make clear to both of them immediately was that since supporting both of you, that that does mean keeping some things to myself when appropriate, but it's mm-hmm. just escalated since then with the whole other relationship and it's so hard. Yeah, that makes it definitely trickier. Yeah, but I don't want you to view yourself as being in the middle anymore because that's a dangerous place for you to be. Yeah. It means you could potentially lose both friendships, but it sounds like you're an amazing friend. And they both sound like they know you enough for if you said to them, listen, guys, I can't be in the middle of this. I want to still be both of your friends. Mm -hmm. But like, I can't hear about each other. And I need you guys to kind of work through that stuff on your own. And I can be here to support on a certain level. But let's maintain the other parts of our friendships and not have this be the center thing that is all we talk about. Definitely. Honestly, giving me hope that I can keep both of these friendships is huge to me. Like with the perspective that both of you have on this, that's really one of the big things I needed to to hear from my friends and family that I've discussed with. Almost everyone except my dad said that I should tell him that she cheated. And oh, I he, oh, he was like, I, you absolutely I, no, cannot no. do that. And yeah. I trust him, and I was like, never. I will. I, I'm not going to do that. Mm-mm. He was like, you cannot do that. Yeah, so everyone I, else in my life. So listen to you know, your thank father. God for yeah. For the two of you and my dad, like yeah. everyone else said, tell him everything. Oh, oh God, no. Do I p- don't put yourself on your bed. Yeah. It will come out the way it needs to yeah. come out with the two yeah. of them. Yeah. 
by the way, he may sort of know, she might not have, it might be a very gray area, which is the reason she suddenly broke it. It's an impossible situation. He might have done something, you don't, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, exactly. You don't know anything. Yeah, no, no. Listen to your father. Yeah, yeah. I've definitely. I rarely say that, but listen to your father. No, it's but but you're right. Like yeah. I've had the messengers in my life be giving me information that I already knew, mm-hmm. and I felt I felt resentful. Mm-hmm. I felt resentful that yeah. it was like I already know most of this. Please don't take delight in, in being the in, yeah. Also, they're already no longer together, so it's already right. broken. Right. Those That's details right. will come out. It's not like they're still together. Right. Yeah. I know it sounds crazy, but to me, it does sound like, in a way, she tried to do the right thing. She probably started a mental affair. It got deeper and deeper. And then she did try to end it as soon as she realized she was going to move forward in a different way. So in a weird way, I think she tried to do the best she could in that situation. And I know people who have not done it as well and have had long affair. You know what I mean? So yeah. It's yeah. just, it's tricky. And there's no upside to you being the bearer of any of that news on either side, back and forth. Celine, thank you so much. Oh, thank you. This really did help because oh, good. I've, I've sort of played through this in my head, but just having two women who are just so strong and hilarious and just real that I admire so much go through this with me means so much to me. I can't tell you. Oh, I, thank I, you. Oh, thank you. I love you. I love you too. Thank you, Celine. Thank you. Bye. Hey, Andrea, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And congratulations on your podcast. Thank you. Oh, I did want to ask you about the hashtag element mm-hmm. of your... Yeah, there's a hashtag in the title of my of my podcast, which I don't know if has ever been done before, so I put my own joke into my podcast title. The podcast is called Andrea Savage, a grown-up woman, hashtag buttholes. And was that like... <laughs> your face. So, okay. Uh-huh. Tell us about the hashtag part. The whole point of my podcast is lightly, I mean, I interview people that I just bring me joy, who I think are people who are grown-ups who are not lame. I had a lot of fear about when the older I would get and I need responsibilities and all this stuff and I'd become boring and lame. And I'm like now at an age where I'm going, I'm still basically kind of the same person You're that I am. fucking rad. And I know so many rad people who are who have jobs and kids or houses who are still fucking funny. And you can't take yourself too seriously. And so the point of it was I'm a grown-up woman, hashtag buttholes to sort of undercut the grown-up because also it's just being silly and stupid and not taking yourself too seriously. And if you have to say the word hashtag buttholes, I make everyone who comes on my podcast say their name and say this is how I say buttholes. I forgot that it was plural. Yeah, there's we two. were listening to some people introduce themselves, and it is really fun to hear like Paul Rudd be like, hashtag buttholes. Well, he says, hi, my name is Paul Rudd, and this is how I say buttholes, or however Paul Rudd says it. He said it in his way. And I had June Squibb, who's 90, say it. I mean, <sighs> and it's delightful because you can't take yourself too seriously. My whole point is like, we don't have to pretend that we're all like have it under control and that we're all quote unquote these grown-ups and we have to take everything seriously. Like you can go to work and get your job done and go to drop off on time and still laugh about buttholes and dicks. That's my point. Do you have a favorite joke? Yes. Okay. Knock knock. Who's there? Two. To who? It's to whom. <laughs> so that's great. I feel enjoy like- that. I'll hold for laughs. Okay. I'll hold, hold. I assume people are having a pullover <laughs> at this point. 
<laughs> to take that in. I don't know why that one, my nephew told it to me once and it killed me. He was like six and it made me laugh so hard. Another clean joke that my daughter and I came up with Ooh. that I don't think has gotten the accolades in my family that it deserves oh, for the cleverness of the joke. And I'm hoping this is where the joke really takes off and goes viral, oh, I imagine. Oh, yes. yes um, I yes. imagine this is where it really comes to life. What does a shark eat for dessert? Ah, <sighs> oh, gosh. It's okay for you to do the way jokes work, where I go this, and then you go, okay. I don't know I what. I don't know. I don't know what. <laughs> I don't know what, Andrea. What do sharks eat for dessert? Octopi. <laughs> it's the plural of octopus. Pie, dessert, sharks. It's got sure. less. It's a great kid's joke. I love that. Andrea, thank you so much. <laughs> thank you for having me. I am so thrilled. Thank you. You're just, you're just amazing. Thank you. 